pharmacists in the future will be doing more stuff. We'll be, uh, if it relates to medicines, we'll be doing it. Uh, we'll have a role in prescribing, in de-prescribing, dispensing, administering and reviewing medicines. Pharmacists will be working to the full scope of their practice. Pharmacists will be present in more places, not just in hospitals, but as outreach pharmacists from community pharmacy and residential care homes, in patients' homes, in emergency and urgent care centres, in hospices, in medical practices, in transitions of care and anywhere where therapeutic decisions and medicine choices are made. They'll be using their clinical knowledge to the full. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Community pharmacy faces significant workforce challenges with no quick fix in sight. How can community pharmacy adapt to deal with these challenges? For this PBCN podcast episode, we're bringing you a session that was held at the Australian Pharmacy Professionals Conference at the Gold Coast from the 23rd to the 26th of March 2023. In this session, Helen O'Byrne, Pharmacy Guild National Councillor, looked at some of the key issues that are likely to shape the future of workforce pharmacy. Key influences in the future workforce include our university sector and the structure of the pharmacy degree, remuneration levels for pharmacists, pharmacy viability via community pharmacy agreement remuneration, the capacity that pharmacists practice at full scope and its associated remuneration, and the degree to which enablers like IT service providers, for example, assist pharmacy operations. We hope you enjoy this episode. So it is time to introduce our first speaker of the day, Tasmanian branch president, the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Now, Helen has over 33 years of experience in the pharmacy industry, and she is an accredited pharmacist and co-owner of Riverside Terry White Kemart and Windsor Terry White Kemart in Tasmania. Now, the other day, she just told me it was five degrees when she woke up. We don't see that up here in Queensland, especially on the Gold Coast. So I ask that you join with me and give her a very warm Gold Coast welcome, Helen O'Byrne. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Lee mentioned, I'm a co-owner of two pharmacies in Launceston, Tasmania. Um, Launceston is an inland city, a uh, regional city in Tasmania, and actually all of Tasmania is considered regional and rural. Um, it's, there's no triple M1 areas in Tasmania at all. So I really know well the challenges that everyone has uh, attracting and retaining good staff, uh, both pharmacists and pharmacy assistants. So I'd like to start today by acknowledging the First Nations people of Australia, the Yagamba people of the Bundjalung Nation on whose country we meet today. And I'd like to pay my respect to their elders past and present and I extend a particular welcome to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people here today. As the chair of the Workplace Relations Committee, I work closely with Scott Harris, the Guild's Director of Workplace Relations and Business and his team. The Workplace Relations Business team works hard to represent and advocate on behalf of members and community pharmacy 
on workplace relations matters, provides guidance and advice to members directly and through the Guild branch network. The team conducts research into workforce challenges, provides education and guidance on career development, promotes business success and gathers critical evidence to support the Guild's advocacy work to secure the future of community pharmacy. I want to speak to you today on three key areas. The Guild's vision of the future of the pharmacy workforce, including a look at factors that will impact on workforce skills and availability, a look at the current workforce environment, uh, what's influencing it, including why some of you are having trouble uh, recruiting pharmacists, and what we all need to do to respond to the current and emerging impacts of the workforce to take advantage of the opportunities available now and those that are coming in the next decade. Without a doubt, our profession is in a time of dynamic change. Pharmacists are recognised, as you've heard over the last few days, for our contribu contribution to, health, uh, to the health of Australians in so many ways. And that recognition has just grown over the last couple of years during the pandemic in the way that pharmacists have responded to the challenges, stayed open, administered nine and a half million COVID vaccination, continued dispensing through um, fires and floods, uh, and also uh, conducting the successful pilot that showed that pharmacists can responsibly and appropriately prescribe for urinary tract infections. We're recognised for the differences we make uh, both in urban areas and regional rural areas for our contribution to the health of young and old people and for those who take uh, five or more medicines and those that don't take any. Governments are starting to support uh, pharmacist programs because they understand that pharmacists provide reliable, accessible and efficient services that improve the health of Australians and relieve the pressure on the healthcare system. This recognition and these changes are likely to continue, and that's what the Guild's working towards, towards, of course. So pharmacists in the future will be doing more stuff. We'll be, uh, if it relates to medicines, we'll be doing it. Uh, we'll have a role in prescribing, in de-prescribing, dispensing, administering, and reviewing medicines. Pharmacists will be working to the full scope of their practice. Pharmacists will be present in more places, not just in hospitals, but as outreach pharmacists from community pharmacy and residential care homes, in patients' homes, in emergency and urgent care centres, in hospices, in medical practices, in transitions of care and anywhere where therapeutic decisions and medicine choices are made. They'll be using their clinical knowledge to the full. Expect to see pharmacists advising on medication use in emerging areas of therapeutics, the use of biological medicines, pharmacogenomics, customised medicines, antimicrobial resistance, responsible prescribing, medication monitoring, pharmacovigilance, health informatics, artificial intelligence, the treatment of old and new infectious diseases and in the therapeutics of climate change. And this won't just happen in hospitals and clinics. Providing expertise on medicines use will happen in a community setting. Community pharmacy is a clinical environment. They'll be working in professionally satisfying roles, using their clinical knowledge in every setting that they work and making an even greater contribution 
to the health of Australians. And they'll be recognised for, uh, for their expertise, recognised through changes in legislation and regulations, recognised through participation in interdisciplinary teams, recognised through full integration into digital information systems, such as my health record, and recognised through programs and funding for our services at last. I want to talk about community pharmacy as a specialty. Community pharmacy is a specialty where you use your clinical skills in a clinical environment every day. And with emerging full scope of practice, opportunities for community pharmacists to specialise further will emerge. Community pharmacists provide common ailment services, vaccination services, residential care services, diabetes care services, wound care services, and medication management services, and so much more. Community pharmacies are clinical practice environments where pharmacists and their staff provide essential primary care every day that keeps our communities healthy and keeps patients in their homes and out of hospitals. This is the pathway that community pharmacy is heading down and we see no reason to stop the momentum for change uh, that we've had over the last couple of years. The current pharmacy workforce, what will we need in community pharmacy to be able to deliver the change? And what workforce changes are required to achieve the vision? You're wondering how can I fill the uh, gaps in my roster with pharmacists and pharmacy assistants. How are we going to do it? Health force is something that's occupying the minds of all professionals and health leaders across the nation, um, and it is experienced by the whole health sector. So before I talk about the ways the profession can maximise our workforce to respond to those professional and business opportunities, let's take a look at our current pharmacy workforce, and that'll help us identify the changes that are needed to make the vision. Firstly, let's have a look at supply and demand. I might give you a minute to look at this slide. Um, so it shows uh, year 2018 to 2026, uh, shows how many full-time equivalent pharmacists are available and then how many we actually need. That's in full-time equivalents. So you can see that currently in 2023, this is skilled modelling, uh, shows that we're 2,448 pharmacists, full-time equivalent pharmacists in deficit. Uh, while we can see some growth between 2000, sorry, this is the next slide. Um, so obviously that means that there are uh, areas that are missing out. Uh, there are communities that are missing out on services because we can't deliver the pharmacists that we're needing. Pharmacists are probably working more hours than they'd really like to, and some pharmacies aren't open the hours that they'd like to deliver to their community. If we look at the total numbers in the pharmacy workforce taken from census data, you can see that there's been a growth in numbers from 2016 to 2021 but the growth hasn't been sufficient to keep up with demand. Uh, and we also know that there's been notable growth in the hospital pharmacy workforce, and that's pulled pharmacists out from the community pharmacy sector. Uh, if we take a look at uh, the proportion of pharmacists uh, by gender over the years, 
you can see that there's continual uh, increased feminisation of our workforce. And with that feminisation, uh, you often see the need for uh, more flexibility in working conditions in pharmacy. Um, the next slide is we also see that the age, average age of employed pharmacists is increasing. So the, oh, sorry. The average age of uh, employed pharmacists is increasing. Again, I'll give you a minute to look at this slide. Uh, so you can see from 2013 to 2000, sorry, yeah, 2020, um, that there has been a reduction in the uh, pharmacist's age from uh, 20 to 34 and an increase in the pharmacist's age 35 to 44. And the age 35 to 44 has taken the proportion and we think that's potentially from uh, younger pharmacists leaving the workforce. Uh, looking at the hours worked, each week by pharmacists, we can see a declining trend in the numbers of pharmacists working full-time and that definition of full-time is 35 hours or more. And that's uh, potentially driven by factors like increasing average age, uh, the decline of the um, younger pharmacists in the employed workforce and the increasing uh, need for work-life balance for a feminised workforce. If we look at the distribution of the pharmacist workforce, we see a higher proportion of pharmacists per head of population in the cities. So this slide is actually triple M1 sliding down to triple M7. Uh, that the rural towns and remote communities have less um, pharmacists per 100,000, which potentially, this maldistribution potentially will affect the delivery of services in these rural and regional communities. And this is something we have been hearing from members for many years, that they are having trouble recruiting pharmacists in uh, regional and rural Australia. And again, this isn't just pharmacists. This is a problem that's experienced by all health professionals across Australia, and I think recognised by government that that's um, a problem. Now I'm going to do a little bit of a plug. Um, we don't have good data on job vacancies or pharmacist job vacancies. This uh, slide shows a general trend um, on all employment advertising in Australia over time mapped against the unemployment rate, where the green line shows the recent drop in unemployment through and post COVID-19. So initially employers increased their advertising job vacancies to source employees. But most recently, there's been a decline in advertising of vacancies that might be um, caused by employers just getting frustrated at being unable to fill um, their vacancies through advertising. Uh, and so they're pulling their advertising out. So it's really difficult to obtain good pharmacist vacancy data by tra these traditional means. Uh, because we know that often pharmacist um, positions might be filled through word of mouth or a pharmacy advertising for one position might have other positions available. Um, from collecting data through Guild workforce surveys, 
uh, recent findings show that over 30% of these vacancies are actually new positions, uh, that ideal headcount vacancies are maybe 25% higher than reported current vacancies, and that vacancies uh, exist across all of the workforce, which includes pharmacists, pharmacy assistants and dispensary technicians. So there is actually a survey that's been launched at APP this year to collect as much data as we can on pharmacist vacancies. Uh, you might have heard about it yesterday, Trent plugged it at the uh, member breakfast. Um, but if you could contribute to that data, that would be fantastic. And you can just uh, visit the Guild stand and the staff there will help you with it. A discussion on current workforce environment, uh, especially the supply and demand of pharmacist labour, <clears throat> inevitably leads to a discussion about remuneration and working conditions for employee pharmacists and the pharmacy industry award. The Guild recognises that wages along with rent are the biggest expense for community pharmacy operators and they must be sustainable for a business to continue. It's important to note that the pharmacy industry ward is a minimum safety net for employees and most pharmacists are paid above the award. The strong demand for labour has seen the market respond. The current and emerging uh, environment is likely to see more negotiation of wages between employees and employers, noting that pharmac pharmacists are often on long-term contracts that wrap penalty rates into a flat hourly rate. What is important and can't be negotiated away are the protections provided to employees through the national, the 11 national employee employment standards. And that includes recent changes to the standards uh, that um, includes domestic and family violence leave. Developing the workforce for the future. I appreciate that with the uh, current workforce shortfall and other factors impacting on pharmacists' availability, it's hard to focus on the changes that we need to prepare for the future. The outlook for community pharmacy is optimistic and change is already underway. Um, to develop the workforce for the future, we need to do several things. We need to upskill our current pharmacist workforce to provide uh, emerging services. And I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but it's always good to go through it. Uh, we have upskilled to administer vaccinations and we are upskilling to prepare and prescribe for urinary tract infections and other full scope of practice uh, opportunities. And current pharmacists will need to be upskilled in emerging areas of practice and therapeutics. Our partners in this will be education providers such as the Australasian College of Pharmacy and the universities. But many current pharmacists will need to be convinced of the need to upskill and may need to be incentivised for the new roles that we expect of them. New pharmacist graduates need to be educated and well prepared for the practice roles of today and tomorrow. Pharmacy bodies need to work with universities to ensure that community pharmacy practice content is front and centre in their courses. But then pharmacies and universities need to work together to ensure that clinical placements for students are relevant, engaging, meaningful, and encourage students to return to community pharmacy when they graduate. 
employers need to sustain encourage, and encourage that enthusiasm of that new graduate that the new graduate has for clinical practice. They need to provide pathways that allow young pharmacists to grow and develop in ways that simultaneously address health challenges and benefit and add value to our pharmacy businesses. We need to develop the role of pharmacy assistants in our pharmacies. We need to imagine roles for pharmacy assistants as clinical assistants who facilitate and support the professional services that pharmacists deliver. We need to educate and train our pharmacy assistants for services we want them to provide and to the level of knowledge and expertise our patients expect them to have. Pharmacies will need to invest in and embrace technology and automation, e-scripts, greater IT integration, electronic patient records, reorder systems, robotic stock storage and retrieval, automated stock ordering, online booking systems, clinical services, and the list goes on. Some of this takes a critical mass of investment and can be really disruptive and really hard to get your head around in the short term but the te technology developments free up time for pharmacy staff to deliver higher value clinical services, and they allow work to be scheduled around periods of peak demand. Pharmacies and pharmacists need to be prepared to let go, to delegate, to outsource. Only the most abundantly resourced pharmacies will be able to have their staff doing everything they're doing now. We need to set up systems, train staff and delegate. This will allow pharmacists to work in a more professionally rewarding role and to work in ways that have more impact on patient health and where you can add greater value as a pharmacist. This is the exciting potential that clinical activities can bring to your pharmacy and you have to ask yourself the question, how are you preparing? Are you having the conversations with your professional staff? More than ever, community pharmacies are in competition with other pharmacy settings for pharmacists, not just someone with a registration who can wear a white coat and keep the doors open, but for Australia's best pharmacists who can make a difference to your business, to your community, to your patients, and who can grow and benefit through their employment with and their relationship with you. To community pharmacist employees, there's no doubt that the changes foreseen for community practice, pharmacy practice will have an impact on the traditional roles with community pharmacy. You have a choice, adapt or stagnate. The profession is moving to encompass dispensing and clinical services. Talk with your employer about their vision and their plans to respond to these opportunities. Then plan how you will upskill yourself and contribute to change in the pharmacies. And if you're a student, look around. There are so many progressive professional community pharmacies who would love to employ you and to give you the chance you're seeking to use your clinical skills to improve patient outcomes. It might mean moving location, but the professional reward and the opportunity for career development will be worth it. Finally, you might ask, what is the Pharmacy Guild doing about workforce? The Guild takes workforce development and workforce shortage very seriously. You know, of course, that we're advocating for full scope of practice in all states and territories. We understand that pharmacies can't provide new services to patients and communities 
without revenue to provide these services. We've built on the successful urinary tract infection trial pilot in North Queensland, and the treatment of uncomplicated urinary tract infections is now a permanent feature across the Queensland community pharmacies. In North Queensland, of course, you know, there's a new pilot underway where community pharmacists can offer an additional 22 um, common conditions or treatment for 22 common conditions. This represents new opportunities for pharmacies to provide needed care in their communities and to receive fee-for-service revenue for doing so. These pilots or community pharmacy treatment of UTI will now be piloted in New South Wales, the ACT and start in Victoria on the 1st of July. But in these jurisdictions, happily, we can say that the trial will present a $20 payment per consultation by the respective state and territory governments to the pharmacy. And the Victorian trial is expected to include treatment of common skin conditions, administration of travel vaccinations, additional public health vaccinations, reissuing prescriptions for contraceptive medicine, as well as treating urinary tract infections. So the Guild continues to advocate for the Queensland Government to provide payment for services that will be provided in North Queensland as well. We can also look to the payments that were made last year by state and territory governments to community pharmacies across Australia last to administer the NIP flu vaccines to protect vulnerable people in our communities. As pharmacies stepped up to meet this community need, government stepped up too to cover the professional expenses of pharmacies. The Guild is adamant that pharmacists cannot provide professional services without a clear revenue model. And we continually look for new opportunities for pharmacists to deliv deliver services to solve Australia's healthcare needs and keep health people healthy at home for as long as possible. The Guild is working with education and training providers to upskill the profession and to ensure that tomorrow's graduates are equipped with the knowledge the profession needs. We have close links between branches and pharmacy schools in each state and territory and work passionately to ensure community pharmacy practice, including emerging opportunities, is at the forefront of teaching. In my state in Tasmania, we're seeing increased flexibility in the delivery of pharmacist education. Students are now able to undertake their degree as a fast-track degree. The new University of Tasmania course will teach over three trimesters each year to deliver a four-year, 400-credit-point volume of learning within a three-year undergraduate degree. What's more, that course has been delivered in Hobart, Launceston and the Cradle Coast to support regional people in North and Northwest Tasmania have access to university education. In Tasmania, we know that people stay where they live and we know that if we educate them in those places, they will stay. The Guild is also in close dialogue with the Council of Pharmacy Schools of Australia and New Zealand at a national level and is monitoring plans from a number of universities to introduce the extended master's degree for entry-level education of pharmacists. This would see the current intern year become embedded as a work integrated learning within the university degree and graduates would emerge from university with the skills they need ready to practice. The Guild is advocating for ways to make the process of skilled migration 
of internationally trained pharmacists as efficient as possible. Because let's face it, at the moment, it's incredibly complex. Bringing in overseas trained pharmacists helps to offset Australia's ageing population, improves labour force participation and productivity, and helps pharmacies to source skills in rural and remote areas that are difficult to, to develop at short notice. There's currently, currently a review of the regulatory settings relating to registration and qualification recognition for internationally trained health professionals, including pharmacists. The Guild has contributed to this review. Governments understand the urgency of workforce shortages and there is a strong commitment for change to improve the situation. Australia also competes for skilled immigrants with other countries such as the Canada, UK and New Zealand and must ensure it remains competitive with those countries to attract a health professional workforce that complements our existing one. Meanwhile, the Australian Government has increased the permanent migration quota from 160,000 to 195,000 for uh, June 2023, with all the extra 35,000 places allocated to skilled work visas. The Government is also funding an international marketing campaign to boost migration to Australia, and student and secondary training visa holders will have their work restrictions relaxed allowing them to work more than 40 hours per fortnight. We're also undertaking a significant workforce capability project to ensure we have the workforce data needed, needed to respond to the current needs, plan future services and to support the negotiation of the eighth Community Pharmacy Agreement. The Workforce Capability Project aims to create a single source of accessible information and data relating to workforce capability, capacity and the employability needs for pharmacy. This is an ongoing project and uh, it's led by Scott Harris and it includes workforce comp composition, qualifications and training, remuneration, pharmacy operational scope, career pathways and the future needs of the primary health workforce. The Guild is also looking at the Pharmacy Industry Award to, to ensure that it adequately reflects a full scope environment. So thank you for listening to me this morning and I'd like to leave you with four points from my presentation to take away to think over. Change is coming, it's exciting, it represents opportunity and we should be optimistic for what it means for patients and for the profession. After a long time, we're seeing genuine acknowledgement of the clinical role of pharmacists. We're currently in a tight labour market. Full scope of practice, our ageing population, pharmacists in residential care will increase demand and make the pharmacist market even tighter. Embrace change. Review what you do in your pharmacies. Who does it? Why they do it? and can it be replaced or enhanced by technology? Students are graduating from universities with training and passion in new areas of practice, support their ambitions. A well-run community pharmacy can offer young pharmacists professional fulfilment. The Guild is working in all of these matters and areas and will continue to do so for the advancement of community pharmacy without a skilled and motivated workforce, community pharmacy will not be able to practice to its full potential. 
So thank you very much uh, for listening this morning. I would like to thank uh, the workplace relations and business team for their ongoing work in this area. And I look forward to uh, presenting to you in the future some more data from the Workforce Capability Project. Thank you very much. An insightful episode. I hope this has given you some food for thought about how the future might look for pharmacy workforce. Speaking of workforce, the Guild is doing a lot to try and encourage students, young and old, to choose a career in community pharmacy. Just one of these initiatives is a partnership with Symbian, and it's an exciting scholarship opportunity for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander pharmacy and pharmacy assistant students. The scholarships aim to improve outcomes for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workforce through financial, education and career support, as well as strengthen Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander representation in the pharmacy industry and provide more culturally safe and informed care to patients across Australia. This is a wonderful opportunity for successful applicants to begin their pharmacy career. Applications are opening very soon, so please help us spread the word. To find out more about who is eligible and how to apply, visit the Guild website or follow the link in the show notes. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 122 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.